The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. It's a story about Rabbi Chaim Gutnik. He was the Rebbe's emissary in Sydney, Australia. And in the early years that he was there, he was contacted by the Jewish community in Adelaide, Australia. The high holidays were approaching, and the synagogue in Adelaide didn't have a rabbi. So the chief rabbi of Sydney sent delegation that came to ask, what are we supposed to do? We don't have a rabbi. He said, why don't you get in touch with the Chabad rabbi, call Rabbi Gutnik, and see if uh, he would come down and spend Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur with you. So they approached Rabbi Gutnik with this question, and he said, I, got, I have my own family. I have a wife. I have four young children. I can't leave them alone for the holidays. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to find someone else. So the committee again turns to the chief rabbi, and they say, what are we supposed to do? He turned us down. So the chief rabbi said, I'll let you in on a secret. This is what you need to do. You don't ask Rabbi Gutnik this question. Of course, he's not going to want to leave his family. You write a note to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and you tell the Rebbe you need a rabbi for the high holidays. And you'll see the Rebbe already will take care of it. He'll tell Rabbi Gutnik to go, and Rabbi Gutnik won't ask any questions. Sure enough, they write a note to the Lubavitcher Rebbe that they need a rabbi in Adelaide, and that they had asked Rabbi Gutnik, and Rabbi Gutnik had said he cannot leave for the high holidays, and they don't know what to do. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe notifies Rabbi Gutnik, I'm a little surprised by your response to them. How is it that there's a Jewish community that doesn't have a rabbi, and you don't feel the need to go yourself? So I'd like to ask you to be my messenger, my emissary, and spend Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in Adelaide. P.S. While you're there, please pay special attention to the needs of the Egyptian Jewish community that live in Adelaide. A strange P.S. Rabbi Gutnik arrives in Adelaide. He arrives the day before Rosh Hashanah, and he goes to the synagogue to survey it, to see it, to see the sanctuary. As he's standing in this empty sanctuary, a woman enters the room, and she asks him, what is the most sacred part of the synagogue? Can you point out what's the most sacred part of the synagogue? He was a bit surprised by the question, but he pointed to the Ark, the Holy Ark, the Aron HaKodesh, and he said, that's where the Torah schools are. That's considered the holiest part of the synagogue. Before he can say another word, she rushes out the room, and she returns a moment later, and she's leading a blind teenage girl into the sanctuary, and she leads her up to the Ark, and then she leaves. This blind teenage girl kisses the curtains of the ark, and she bursts into tears. And she stood there for several minutes, after which the woman that brought her in, that ushered her in, came back and escorted her out. It was a strange scene. So he tells this over to the secretary of the shul and said there was this strange, odd thing. One woman asked me about the holiest place in the synagogue, and I... And I told her the ark, and she brought in this blind girl. Do you know anything about who this girl is and what's going on? Because she seemed rather distraught. And the secretary says this to him, Eh, don't worry about it. She's one of the Egyptian Jewish community members. We don't have much to do with them. Her parents don't even come to the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah. So she probably came because it's close to the holiday, so that's her prayers. Ignore it. He heard the key word. She's part of the Egyptian community. We don't have anything to do with them. P.S. of the Rebbe's notes suddenly started making a lot of sense. The Rebbe somehow knew that there was an Egyptian Jewish community there that was being ignored. 
And therefore, he really now wanted to know who was this girl and what was her needs. So he turns around to rush out of the synagogue to find the girl, but she's already gone. A Rosh Hashanah, indeed, there were a few members of the Egyptian Jewish community there in the synagogue. They sat in the way back. No one really spoke to them. And he was able to pick up this rift, this separation that took place. So he gave these individuals a lot of attention, spoke to them at great, great length on Rosh Hashanah, asked them about their community, told them to invite their other members of the community to join for the second day of Rosh Hashanah, to join for Yom Kippur. And then he asked, tell me, do you know someone from your community, a teenage girl that's blind? And one of them said, sure we do. Her name is Betty. Can you get word to Betty that I'm looking for her? I'd like to speak to her. Okay, we'll get word to her. Day after Rosh Hashanah, the phone rings. Rabbi Gutnik picks it up. The girl says, hello, my name is Betty. I understand that you're looking for me. He says, yes. And the moment he said, yes, I'm looking for you, the phone goes dead. Someone hung up on, on the call. That was odd. Two hours later, a call again. This is Betty. I understand you're looking for me. And again, the phone goes, goes dead. Now he's intrigued. He has to find out who this girl is and what's the story. And he makes his inquiries and he gets the address and he finds out where this Betty particular girl lives. And he makes his way to the house, even though it's already late at night. And it's a day before Yom Kippur. He knocks on the door. The parents ask who's there. And he says, my name is Rabbi Gutnik. I'm the rabbi here just for the holidays. I'd like to speak to your daughter. And they say, we prefer that you don't. So he says, you know something? I really need to speak to your daughter. I really am going to ask you to please open the door. I need to speak to her. I believe she needs my help. And again, they try to decline. And again, he tries to ask. And finally, they let him in. And Betty comes out, and they're sitting there. And at some point, the rabbi asks the parents if he can have some private time, if he can just have her feel the freedom to speak her mind. And they did. They respected it. And Betty tells her story. Her family arrived in Australia a year before. They sent her to the only school in the city for the blind. Turns out it was a Catholic school. The people in the school were very, very nice, and they gave my parents, her parents, a full scholarship. After five months, the local priest began lecturing me about Christianity, and I ignored him, and I told him I'm Jewish. And at some point, my parents were notified by the school, and they said, look, your daughter, even if she's Jewish, is welcome to continue in our school. However, as far as the scholarships go, that's reserved for the Catholic community. And so we don't want to withdraw it from you. We already offered it to you. But it comes along with Betty becoming Catholic. If she converts and becomes part of the religion, we can continue giving her the scholarship. Otherwise, she's welcome to attend the school. But the scholarships are contributed money, funds that are there for the Catholic community. And uh, my parents, says Betty to Rabbi Gunnick, they don't have the funds. And the school is a good school. And I'm doing very, very well there. And it's the only school for the blind here in Adelaide. But at the same time, although I'm not a practicing Jew, I don't want to convert. And so we have this dilemma. What should we do? Do I convert to keep the scholarship? Or do I drop out of the school and I have no place to go? And my parents decided they're going to make the decision for me. For them, what was most important was my education. They basically let me know a few days ago that I should go ahead with it. I should go along with the conversion, and this way I'll be able to keep the scholarship. Right before Rosh Hashanah, 
I told my mother that I didn't feel well, that I couldn't go to school that, that day. I was alone in the house after they had left the home. I knocked on my Gentile neighbor's door. And I said, tomorrow's the Jewish New Year. My parents don't go to the synagogue. And I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. Take me to the synagogue so that I can pray before the Jewish New Year. I'll only stay for a few minutes. And my neighbor agreed. And she took me to the synagogue. She obviously met you, and you told her that I should stand next to the ark if I wanted the holiest place in the synagogue. I stood next to the ark, and I cried my heart out, and I prayed to God, and I said, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. This is a difficult dilemma. My parents and I understand why I need this scholarship so that I can attend the school. I wish I wasn't born blind. I wish I can go to any school, but that's not the situation of life that I'm in. And this is the only school, and they're kind to me, and they're nice to me, and they educate me. And they do have a scholarship fund, but as I understand their policy, it's reserved for people of their religion, of their faith. So my parents have reached the decision that it's more important for me to get the education and to give up on my religion, to convert to to their religion. I don't know what to do. So I'm turning to you, God, right before Rosh Hashanah. You tell me what to do. Send me a message. Send me guidance. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go through with it. That's what I was doing there in the synagogue. And then a few days after Rosh Hashanah, I hear from friends within our community that say that there's a rabbi asking for me, who is the blind girl, a part of the Egyptian community. And I knew that God was listening to my prayers, that God sent me a message that somehow you have that message for me. And I tried contacting you, but my parents were very afraid. They were very reluctant. They knew what you would say to me, and therefore they don't want me to talk to you because they're afraid you're going to convince me out of it. And that they're going to be stuck with me going to a school that requires tuition that they cannot afford. The rabbi understood why he was in Adelaide. And why specifically the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote him a note and saying, you need to be in Adelaide this Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And perhaps it wasn't so much because that particular synagogue didn't have a rabbi that could have found anybody. It was P.S. Pay attention to the Egyptian Jewish community. Because there is a soul there, there is a Jewish soul that is hurting, that is in pain, that is in anguish, and that needs help and that needs guidance. So be there. He immediately calls up the president of the congregation who had contacted him and asking him to be the rabbi. This is already the night before Yom Kippur, and it's late at night, and he says, I need you to come to this address right now. Right now? It's almost midnight. Right now is right now, or you will not have a rabbi in your synagogue for Yom Kippur. You come to this address right now. He gets a threat like that. He shows up. He says, I want to introduce you to a girl named Betty. She's part of this Jewish community. You're the president of the congregation, which means you have a responsibility to every member of your community. This Betty is part of your community. You have a responsibility to her. And he repeats the story that Betty put before before him. And he says, the community before Yom Kippur, before tomorrow evening, before Kol Nidre, will raise the funds that is needed for Betty to continue going to this school and will not have to accept the scholarship because the Jewish community will do their part, the part that they should have done all along. They will pay the tuition, and Betty can continue going to this school, and you'll do your part. And while I'm on the subject, I don't appreciate the separation that takes place in your synagogue between the Egyptian community and the Australian community. It has to be one Jewish community. You can't isolate them. You can't have them just all in the back in their own group. You can't. The attitude is there. You feel it. You guys have to become one. This girl went through the school, went through the high school over there. She stayed in touch 
with Rabbi Gutnik all through the years. She graduated high school with honors. And then after that, Rabbi Gutnik arranged for her to study in Jerusalem. She ended up getting married. She has a family of her own, and she lives a beautiful Jewish life in Israel. This was the Rebbe feeling, sensing the soul in pain, the soul in anguish. That's the Ruach HaKodesh. That's this, this Holy Spirit that God gives to individuals, to holy individuals that have earned it, that devote their lives to caring about others and feeling the pain and the anguish of others and finding ways to bring some joy and finding ways to bring some spirituality and to bring some enlightening. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.